Space Cave, a big warg to all of you. I hope this finds you well. I'm David Hunsberger. Let's get to part two with my friend, an inspiration, very creative and imaginative fellow, very talented artist, illustrator, animator, all around whiz, Peter Jane. We left off, and then we each took an actual break, uh, and there's always a risk there of coming back and going, oh, dang it, what, what were we talking about? What? But the thought was you were, you were saying um, defending your dislike of something, and in your case it was kale, and I think the human brain, maybe it's a residual effect of just society and how everything is sort of dissected or... Maybe it's just a byproduct of being, you know, a teenager when you're young and you like that band, oh, gross, and you kind of have to defend yourself. And maybe we never get over that. But I, I find as you get older, all of that is in your head, and it's very recognizable when someone, like, they're late and they're stuck in traffic and they want to tell you all about it, and you're like, I don't, you're late, okay? I don't need to hear all this. I don't care. But you in your head are like th- th- this. I'm going to cover every base. They're going to know why I'm late. They're going to know why I have orange juice on my shirt. They're going to know why my car has a dent in it. But in reality, people were like, did you bring the thing? Great. I don't care about that. And it's the same thing with like, oh, I've got to connect all the dots so they know why I don't like kale. But in reality, people are like, okay, then don't get kale in your burrito. Let's move ahead. Move, move, move. Yeah. And that, that, I try to be aware of that because I think we all – are victims to that a little bit of wanting to go, Oh, people are going to want to know why I did this action or have, you know, this, whatever it is, you know, what choices on your food is like such a good one though, that you think people are going to care. And maybe see the flip side of that is if someone says to you, you know, this is kind of weird, but I was really attracted to blah, 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 a character, an obscure part from a movie an inanimate object in a movie or an animated thing that's not supposed to be attractive, whatever that is, then you do want to hear like, wait a second, I need, I need to know more of this. So it's sort of the opposite of kale of you tried to slide that one through, but that's not going to fly. Whereas you try to slide through kale, they're going to let you slide it through, but you feel like no one's going to let me slide on that. I got to tell them why I don't like kale. And they're like, nah, we're, we're good. But couldn't it be for for anything though? Like somebody could be like, "No, you got to tell me because this this needs to get sorted out." Yeah. Or, I mean, if you took it to the extreme, you could say it's something like akin to love. Sometimes you just know mm-hmm. um, that you know in the in the case of your partner or um, uh, I, like I remember 
in like elementary school, there was always like one girl. It's just, you know, just as an example, there was always somebody who just like, I just was like, that's the girl. Like, um, and I couldn't tell you why or anything. Um, there was, you know, there was, and I, I just wonder if there's like, uh, if the, if we make the connection back, backwards from the initial feeling, and that's actually what it is, or if it's the other way around, there's a philosopher, I can't remember who they are. They, they were like, does the smile create the feeling? There's the, does the feeling create the smile? Mm-hmm. And not to get too crazy and big on this, on this <laughs> podcast, but I'm just, I think that's sort of like the, the essence of the kale analogy, but also um, just if you took it to the extent that you're fearing, feeling like the purest emotion, which I consider to be love, you don't always know why you love something you just do or a person yeah. or, or, or life when you're just like, man, I love life. But it's it's raining and, you know, your sandwich is soggy and you just lost your job. I don't know why. I feel great. <laughs> yeah. But. The feeling of the feelings. And if you have, you know, I think we go through these waves of having a good philosophical base as to what life is. And so when you're in a good one where you're maybe it's something to the effect of. I'm here to just kind of collect emotions and feelings. And this is a big one. The sky is really cloudy. I won't forget this. My sandwich is completely soaked. A car just drove by and splashed my whole personage. And I'll bet after I die, I'll remember this feeling. So you could be like ebullient in that moment thinking that this is, oh, when I was just nothing, when I was the universe, I was hoping I would get things that felt like something that I could remember this jolt, that if I needed to almost like pinching my skin, kind of go, oh, right, right, right. That's what's out there. That's why I wanted to go have a physical, you know, uh, element to my existence so that I could feel those things. It's not all just meant to be sunshine and happiness and skipping along. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if that ties into it too much. No, no, I think, I think it, I think it, uh, it, there's value in everything and the the i had a friend who was very confused that i told her that i liked being sad <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's a confusing idea but that what i meant by that is that like that's a, as satisfying a feeling to me as being you know happy and joyous mm-hmm but you lean into one too long, like the person that's like always happy, I think they're crazy. The person that's always sad, like I know a, a lot about that, but it's also just as like destructive. Yeah. Um, so that balance when the, like you said, when the universe was just like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of this singularity. Like I need a little, I need to break this thing apart and kind of like see the jagged and the smooth, mm-hmm. the light and the dark. Um, and you know what? I'm I'm gonna see what it's like to like kale and what it's like to not like kale. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being and like you were saying, the faucet and being an artist and just making things. It doesn't have to come for a reason. It doesn't even have to come from someplace. I think we appreciate when someone 
feels one of those emotions, a jagged moment, and tries to smooth it out or share with us the process of smoothing it out. And we go, oh, wow, wow. They, they turn that into a beautiful piece of art, whether it's literature or a movie or a painting. We appreciate that. But other times if someone's like, yeah, I don't know, I was just noodling in the sand and I made this, we would say, that's also cool. It's yeah. There's something about the the process of it that I do enjoy when someone is conveying that emotion, that thing that says, I'm alive just like you are. And I feel things and I felt this thing and it felt like this to me. What does this feel like to you? I'm going to tell the story or I'm going to recreate it or, or do an allegory to it. But it's based on something I experienced. You're like, well, clearly you didn't ride on the back of a dragon and battle some sort of radioactive shark but those things represent things. You know, whatever they turn it into creatively, I really like. And I do feel a lot of times like creativity becomes this sort of ointment. You know, it's a salve of a salve. Do you say salve or salve? Uh, I say salve. So you have to also stick with ointment. Like you have this ointment (laughs) where you've, you've had a burn or some sort of thing and you, Art becomes the, and some people lean into that so much. You know, I, I took an art history class, and my professor was like, oh, "I was heartbroken, and I made this painting, and it was supposed to represent this and this and mean all these things." And he was like, "In reality, it was just like it was pretty boring. It was pretty dumb." But I had poured in all this stuff to it. People that saw it, and him from twenty years later, could say, "There's not much there." But at yeah. the time, anyone that walked by it and didn't get what he wanted them to get from it was an idiot or was yeah. cold-hearted or they couldn't, you know, they, they weren't appreciating the beauty and the true art. And I, I try to be like cognizant of that all the time because I love when that line is delicately balanced where, oh, this definitely came from a place, but it's not too over the top. It's, and it's welcoming me in. Yeah. And I, I think that, that, I feel the same. I don't, you know, that way of of art being a sort of cure for what ails you in a lot of ways. And I do, one reason I don't like working for other people is because I, when I'm making art or when it's creative, I'm really only making it for myself and I, I want to manifest the thing that's coming out of me. Mm-hmm. And if, if I try and stop that up, then like I, you know, with the calcification of the faucet or it starts to burn and you need to burn from the inside and you need the ointment. Yeah. But I, I think that as long as you are making art for one other person, even if it's yourself, whether it finds the audience or it doesn't or resonates with other people or not doesn't matter because I think going back to the universe, breaking itself up is you are painting a mirror. You are animating a mirror. You are sculpting, you are creating musical tones that are a mirror for whatever it is that is us to see itself in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I I totally understand like making something and then having people just dismiss it is painful. It's <laughs> it's really hard sometimes. But then you have to kind of go, well, why did you make it in the first place? Especially when you knew there was no money, when like you knew that, um, you know the 
the potential of it getting out there and being your big breakout success is pretty slim. Mm-hmm. You know, after the first week, you kind of know after there's like three views on YouTube, <laughs> you kind of know where it's headed. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know this feeling all too well. But I also know it's kind of fun to then have, I don't know if you'd call it like a body of work or a catalog or a collection or whatever it is that you can, when you look back on any of them, you remember that you had that same level of hopeful connectivity leading up to whatever it was before it was released or became a real item. And then after the fact, you just have, oh yeah, I remember making that. But you also go, I remember at the time, I could look at this cover image or this still shot and pick out 25 things that were wrong with it. And now as I look at it, like, it's kind of cool. I don't, I couldn't even go through those. So you're so invested. You're so close. And then you remember that, oh, and then I made this next thing. And then this next thing. And I I find as I get older, that's that's the thing I want to get the best at is quickly moving on from only three views. Uh, Does anything I do have any value? Why do I even do anything? And just being like, Oh, right. It has nothing to do with that number. It, I just liked making it. Yeah. And that's the best feeling to just quickly turn that over. Just go, yeah. ah, forget about that. Just, I like making it. That's right. I think being prolific is so important. Um, I don't do it enough because I'm taking care of bills and stuff like that and kind of scaring myself into positions where uh, I'm not being productive because I'm like, oh, I don't know if this amount of effort's going to yield anything, but I'm like, yet I'm telling people to just make art for one other person. But I do have <laughs> those moments where I'm just like frightened by the prospect of investing energy and um, effort into something that isn't going to be appreciated. But I, when I go back and look at the things that I made in the past, I'm, I'm able to forgive myself for the mistakes I've made and just go, okay, what the whole, how is the whole look? Is it at all entertaining or interesting? Does it have the aspects to it? And yeah, because I made it (laughs) and I made it for a reason. And I made it because I wanted to hear this, see this, feel this or express this. So some part of it I like. And in a lot of ways, that's enough you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, you'll die one day. And everyone I know that has died, whether it was at a memorial or their grave site or whatever it would be to commemorate their life, their bank account was never discussed. Their financial situation was never discussed. It was a matter of what they did, their behaviors that they, you know, the things they shared. Oh, this person gave so much of their time and always volunteered at little league or whatever it was. It's the things that you do. And so if it would be just asinine, if like, Oh, a thing I do that I like that has some benefit to prohibit yourself from doing that is to me, it's just asinine. And maybe it doesn't have any value currently, but it could, and it might and it, it, even if it's just one person that you never hear from, I have so many things like that in my life, music that I love. I've never like messaged the person who made it and said, thank you for doing this Yeah. and I try to go support them live and things like that. But if I don't, they have no idea that I exist or care or that their work matters. So we're all kind of operating under that assumption that like, well, maybe at some point, 
you know, I, I've, I feel like I've been pretty fortunate where I've gotten messages from people saying, I've been going through cancer treatment and this thing you made helped me or this thing you put out helps me. And it's not like I need that all the time, but it it's nice to have some level of reinforcement like that because it, what it's saying is like, you didn't fully waste your life or you're not wasting yeah. your time and everyone else's time. Yeah. Is that, I mean, is that bring validity to the like button? Because <laughs> I do feel like it has some value. Like we're so busy. At least somebody took the time to go, boop, you know, and then that little, you get that little like validation. Um, and if you worked on something and it's not just you, like, lying naked, which I have thought about having an Instagram account where it's just me, like, and, and my OnlyFans account just to see how it would go over. Um, but I think even when you get like one or two likes, it's like, as long as the electricity never goes out, that will be preserved in the cerebral, you know, cybernetic consciousness of the earth. Yeah. So maybe we're making progress. It is being documented that you give a shit every time. <laughs> I'm always trying to stay away from those sort of dopamine hits because I think they are so ephemeral and they're, they are, they're too casual, I guess. If someone comes to a show and the light happens to catch them and you see them laughing really hard. Or if you're a band, you know, if you see someone, whatever they are doing, maybe they've got their eyes closed and you can, you can wander off in your head. Are they thinking about a loved one who's away right now or in a tough position or, or none of the above? Maybe they're just soaking it in just like the sand design people in Tibet. They are just in this moment. They're listening to every note of this song, whatever that is, that feels more real than boop, like, you yeah. know, the, the, there has to be some engagement that's just a little bit more than, oh, I'll bet Dave would enjoy this little heart. Beep. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to be real, I agree with you more than I agree with the statement I just made. <laughs> but I was, wondering, I was like, is it possible that that has more value than, than, than we're giving it credit for? And I, I kind of agree with you that, no, it's pretty worthless. <laughs> <laughs> I think of it in terms of... It just depends on what it is and who it is. Like, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what would it maybe feel it's a ratio. Like someone right now is that janitor who goes home and paints and no one in their life knows they paint and they'll die. And when people come by to clean out their studio or one bedroom apartment, they'll find a trove of paintings, maybe in the parking space for it. Just yeah. hundreds. And some of them will be magnificent and others will be just okay. And that person's life, maybe they ne the story gets a little attention, but people forget that person's name and there's a gallery exhibit and people in the art world are really trying to say, this was incredible. This was not for likes. This was not for ephemeral things. This was just to be shared with this fundamental understanding that time has no correlation to art true real artistic you know input is not dependent on time it could be a hundred or you know 10 years later it could be any time frame that you find this thing and go this is the best thing ever and this person maybe they understood that or maybe they didn't care maybe they just yeah. were like i just like to paint i yeah. i didn't i wasn't thinking about those things and then you have pop stars and people that have 
anything they do. They could tweet or Instagram or whatever, I just sneezed, and get millions of likes, hearts, comments. Oh my God, I sneezed too. And, <laughs> <laughs> and what would that feel like to, to be those two beings after life? The janitor yeah. and the pop star and going, which was art? Which had value? Which will continue to have value? You could make a case for either one because the pop yeah. star would say, I took people in their formative years with me. I was like their tour guide through life. They knew yeah. me for 40 years. And th that's why they were so connected to me. And you never let anyone know you. And the janitor yeah. would say, yeah, but in 100 years when people – listen to one second of your trash music and throw off their headphones, they'll be sitting there staring at my painting and they'll be in a place mentally that they enjoy. You could go back and forth on that over and over, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, that made me think of the Egyptian, um, of what little I know about it, but the Egyptian like assessment of the soul before you go into the afterlife where they put your heart like on the scale. Mm -hmm. And um, if it's like as light, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but I, I imagine I just pictured those two people going to, into like the land of Anubis or <laughs> I'm just, I'm not versed enough in Egyptian mythology to do this accurately, but I picture them in an Egyptian temple in the afterlife, having their souls weighed after one painted all these paintings that nobody saw. And then the other person produced all this stuff that nobody really needed yeah but they both had in like and like you said time it could just be a matter of time when does this person when does this person change the world and when does this person change the world yeah the people that have value for me there are people that i know you know artistically there are thousands potentially of people that are just like you and i creating things uh, that you and I will never know of and the general public will never know of. And those, like, they might have tens of thousands of followers and you and I have never seen their work. But I think of them deciding to continue or discontinue making things. And I'm always hoping that they do what they love, you know, that make it until you stop loving it. If you, if you just make it and maybe the janitor puts down the paintbrushes one night and goes, yeah, I'm just kind of sick of this. It's not because they weren't selling any. It's not because no one was coming by to look at them. They could just sit in their recliner and be like, I never tried to even show a single person this, so I can't be disappointed that I don't have like an exhibition show in Norway or something like that. Yeah. I just painted because I loved it, and now I no longer paint because I don't love it anymore. I'm always hoping that people are that sort of cut and dry in not letting these external things. I didn't get enough likes or I, I'm too busy in this other thing or I started making a bunch of money at this job and I don't have time for it. That That's always kind of sad to me too. Yeah. But that would be more in line with the concept or the idea that these ideas are coming from within and the, and the motivation to either begin or stop doing those things is not based on external uh, input, but based on the feelings that you have on the inside and, yeah. and whatever the source wants to do. But you um, strike me as a kid, just guessing, drawing a lot, tracing comics, drawing your own sort of things like that, getting really into, right now I'm drawing tigers a bunch. Or, you know, just just always like making little things. It's diorama week and everyone being like, ooh, what's Peter going to do? 
that kind of kid, you know, where everyone kind of knew like Peter's pretty artsy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what other kids really thought of me, but I knew that I had collaborators and rivals. <laughs> so like I knew the kids that were not going to be any competition in diorama time. Mm-hmm. And then I knew the kids that I was like, Ooh, I gotta, you know, gotta bring your I gotta watch out for this one. Yeah. Cause they're going to bring it too. So, um, uh, yeah, I just, I, I didn't like, uh, any sort of that rivalry thing. I still don't like it very much, but it, it's really hard when you're an artist not to be like, Oh, that person's so much better than I am. I or just early on created a version of me. It's exactly me, but like a doppelganger lives on the other side of the planet and is anytime I'm hesitant or lethargic or whatever it is, they're stumbling onto better ideas. They're being more innovative. They're, pursuing things or being more creative in ways where I go, they've beat me again. It's just, just this figment person that I just hope to meet one day. And I, my hope is that we look identical and they go, ah, you, you did one more thing than I did. <laughs> <laughs> is his name Hans Berger? <laughs> yeah, it's, it is Hans, damn it. <laughs> Do you have, That's... I mean, you say like rivals, but, but I, I just don't like the idea of like flipping through because I know people do this. They'll like flip through and go, oh, this piece is... Comedians do that all the time. Look who's getting yeah. this showcase. Look who's getting... And I I yeah. just... I yeah. hate it. I uh, I just think it's one of the worst things that like a human brain has. We we, we have that. That's what happens when you when you commodify art and and expression. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I think that when you start to put um really clear constraints on what value certain things have then you're going to have that tied into supply and demand and um, resources and then people are going to go well if i do better than this person i'm going to have more resources and be more secure mm-hmm. um, and if we could get away from that somehow if we get to some place in our existence where art was just like yeah man do it and you'll be take you know um, just do it. If you got, if you got the vibe and people are feeling it, you know, if it was that <laughs> hippy dippy, I would love it, but I don't like, that's pretty far off. I feel like that's like earth 2.0 yeah. or something. But maybe we already have that in a way in that we like to think that some sort of screenwriter or filmmaker that slithers out from a cabin in Vermont with a screenplay and a vision and a specially designed camera lens that they're going to DP and make something that is visually and aesthetically gorgeous. And it's going to win all the awards and we'll be so thankful that they made it. And that's art. And in the interim, in the time it took them to make that, there was a person just doing TikTok or Instagram stories or whatever, like very temporary kind of contributions there were. And they are going to get people saying, I need you in my life. Every day I lean on you. I'm having a bad day at work. I go to your channel. I look up your dumb thing where you are put a straw on your nose and you're like, hey, y'all, I'm a damn walrus. And this person is <laughs> undeniably stupid and undeniably <laughs> like inartistic, not creative. 
but maybe millions of people need them, like them, enjoy yeah. their efforts. And then we go, okay, so it's just taste. You and I yeah. much prefer the Vermont filmmaker person, yeah. but that doesn't mean we're right. And that doesn't mean that creativity and artistic expression or contributions have to be a certain thing. They can also yeah. be trash to yeah. us, but very yeah. valuable to someone else. Yeah. So, there, I mean, that there has to be space for all of it. Mm-hmm. And the problem is if this if the if the playing field is skewed one way or the other, I think is there need there's too much space for the trivial, right? Um, and not enough space for people who are um, uh, really putting a lot of their heart and soul into the things that they want to express. Yeah, um, because there's people out there that need that. Um, there's people who need pure expression um, and not entertainment and not not goofy antics. Although that some people, that's all they need. That's all they can handle. So I think so. people are so overloaded. I had a friend that was af- afraid of the night sky. <laughs> <laughs> so I darkness, most- looking out at the trees, fine. Looking up yikes it was too much (laughs) for me it's like the ocean like being out on the open ocean is frightening i don't like that but um like if i was like swimming by myself but looking up in the sky i think that might be the most beautiful thing that i've like that i can think of Mm -hmm. is the night sky yeah um but it overwhelmed her because she it triggered all these other thoughts like about life and death and time. And it was like, yeah, but I think the, I think all that stuff's cool, but maybe all of that stuff for her was tied to all this other thing. So seeing like a bigger piece of art that actually is able to discuss more about the human condition and about life is frightening to people or they just, it's like, that's too much. Yeah. Uh, you know what I can handle handle today is a kid crashing uh, power wheels into a wall like that. I can deal with, but <laughs> I can't deal with Citizen Kane because that's just, yeah. maybe I, that's a bad example. but I heard this interview with, uh, <clears throat> I should say I heard probably five minutes of it, but one part that I caught that I thought was really funny, the musician Father John Misty. And, and, and I think they were asking him about like, oh, you, you tend to talk about like relatively in-depth subjects in your song. How do you do that? And he was like, it's a thin balance. You know, you don't want to be one of those bands like, why did I take the red pill? And, or blue, I forget which one is which, but like (laughs) the wrong pill. And I hear that sometimes in music where it's the most embarrassing thing in the world of what if we live in a universe that's also this other thing? Or just these very kind of juvenile thoughts, but with such gravitas in the way that like I've painted this and don't you understand there couldn't, there could be nothing after life. Do you get what I'm saying? And you're like, Oh boy, this is a very entry level thought. Yeah. And you're preaching, you're approaching it as though you just figured out how to split an atom or something to yeah. that effect. So you, Wait, so, I mean, you know, those when you if you're past that point, you recognize that point. But <laughs> yeah. people who are preaching, like, I don't want to get into politics or anything like that right now, but I think that a lot of, like, there's a numbskulls are getting a lot of, like, attention 
in our part of the world um, because they're really loud, but I think they're really loud because they might just be waking up to the fact that things are the way they are. There was um, a time uh, Tim Allen, did a, he tweeted, uh, if evolution's real, why are there still monkeys? And people were just hammering him. But one of the responses I did not see which was just, that's so sad. You're like 60 years old and you just thought that? That was so yeah. sad to me that that had just occurred to him. So yeah, like you're saying, and that's the fear though, I think that everyone deals with. I know I do for sure. If I have a thought or something that I feel like it might be kind of novel or, oh, I hadn't thought that before. I'm immediately like, all of society has thought this and I'm going to seem so stupid when I step on stage and present this concept or idea. And but, sometimes you are wrong. Sometimes you're like, oh yeah, everyone had thought that. But other times people are like, I never thought that. And then so when you look back on that five or 10 years later, you're like, no one? What? I always thought that that's what comedy was so good for was reiterating truths in a different way not that those people don't, there's people that don't understand it, but you recontextualize and reorganize the thought pattern for that person to get to some place that they recognize in a very, in a comfortable way. Like you're making sure everybody's like taken care of in the room. You're kind of like, I hope these, you know, you don't want people to feel put off, but you don't want to, you know, coddle them. Um, and I, I just think that like your skill of standing up in front of people and guiding them to a point without, without being preachy, because that's the beautiful part about comedy and that's good, that's <laughs> <laughs> like, good comedy is it it'll take you to a place that maybe you wouldn't have gone as comfortably before. Not that you can't comprehend it, but that it's a, more um it's a softer it's a softer a kinder gentler way to get them there and i think that like good art is kinder and gentler even if it's like raw and 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 like there's blood or what whatever mm -hmm. it's good enough to, to take you on that journey to that thing that everybody can comprehend but it doesn't need to be exposited in the same way. It doesn't need to be like um, hammered in. You don't like, you can't, I you never can communicate anybody by hammering it into their head. No. And that's what I find so weird about this current argument that your feelings are going to get hurt. That's comedy. You know, something they're taking away our right to be so offensive. If, if comedy was so effective, the world would be so good right now because so many people do comedy and evidently a lot of them are very offensive when they do it. So if this had some beneficial effect, things would be better, but there's yeah. more turmoil. It's more tumultuous. Think of like Richard Pryor, you know, a black man, an addict raised in a brothel, but also a millionaire. So there's a lot of give and take to like the sides of the spectrum he can approach or, relate to and the vulnerability you can't really find a clip of him where he's calling the audience horrific names in a way where you're like woof they should cancel this guy yeah but he's doing what you're saying in relating to people 
being vulnerable and then expressing a thought or a, a concept in a way that even the biggest detractor would go, man, that's pretty good. And yeah. that, so if you're talking about comedy in that way, I think then you would have to say, yeah, yeah, it has so much value because it does do that thing where like, I didn't like this guy, but that was, that was good and, and funny and delivered in a non-preachy, silly way. And afterward, when I walk away, I'm going to have different thoughts on blah, 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 insert whatever topic it is. But it's just not that now. It's people, you know, saying horrible words, having terrible premises and then go, oh, you trying to cancel me? Ah, no, yeah. I, I, I'm making a good point about this. I think you and I would say, no, you're not. If you were, no, we not. wouldn't even be discussing this. Yeah. I, I talk with my friend a lot uh, about media and art and music. And uh, um, we've, we've talked a little bit about cancel culture. And once again, I it's, it's, don't want to get too much into it. But he was like, yeah, do it. Cancel them. <laughs> they're like like that this is a fickle industry and you're a public servant at a certain point like you're out there putting it out there if the public says you're out of here get out of here make room <laughs> for the next person who's better at it i only like it from the perspective of it's a nice gauge to see if you are talented roald dahl was a horrific anti-semite People know that, still read those books, still read them to children and go, huh, these are pretty good. Yeah. And people living, you know, have, have sort of bounced back because they were either talented or maybe bordering even on like undeniably talented. But then you take someone who's just good or just nice or fun or likable. And I would always go back to, and the warning, this is going to be unpleasant for some people. But if Weird Al got any level of scrutiny, he would be erased immediately. He's not particularly great. He's just singing other people's songs with different words, but he's the nicest person living. I might go back and remove this from this because he's so nice. I would hate for him to ever hear of this that, but I think he'd be the first to admit like, yeah, I'm not like Chopin or something. I'm just someone yeah. that made a bunch of goofs of songs and I'm a fun, likable, extraordinarily nice person. And there's a huge difference between that and like Van Gogh cutting his ear off. Probably yeah. a lunatic and a psychopath and someone you and I would not want to be friends with. But we see some of the work and go, pretty, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Let me switch. That's why we talk about this. I don't know how I there's some, I think each situation is so unique. Um, and it's okay to put somebody in the corner for a little while too. Yeah. I think I you just, you know, go face the corner for a few years and then come back and yeah. tell us what you learned. Um, to go to, I think you brought up earlier was, was talking about love and trying to define it. Or when you're young and you fixate on someone and that's the person. And you just hope that every older person at some point is able to relate to a younger person a better answer than there are a lot of fish in the sea or you just, you'll know when you know or 
Um, it's just when it's meant to happen, it'll happen out of the blue. When it's meant yeah. to, you know, the, these are just such trite, empty sort of phrases that are all true. They're exactly yeah. what it is. When you fall in love, you're like, yeah. God damn it, these were exactly right. But you think of, I was getting off the elevator right as this person was getting on and they were undeniably my soulmate and I missed it. And then you think about them for a week and then they drift off into the distance and then years later you can't even remember their face or anything about them. But in that moment, you're so convinced because, you know, this species that's meant to replicate itself is just constantly held to this aesthetic standard of find someone, meet someone, buddy up. And then, so you're always, even if you're pretending or trying to like, I don't like this about the species, I'm going to abstain. You're still genetically predisposed in so many ways to like be constantly rating potential mates with every person. And then, you know, hopefully you're not doing that all the time, but on some level, some subconscious level, there is a bit of that. And then you are riding an escalator with someone and you regret that you didn't talk to them. And these sort of things just go on. And then you meet someone. And I think the the thing to say to a young person would be in that vein of like, just take it easy. The elevator person, the escalator person, all these modes of transportation via elevation, uh, they weren't your soulmate. You will just, it'll just happen. Just relax and just let it happen. And that's kind of like art too, that you can't just sit down and be like, I'm going to paint the best thing. Just if an idea comes to you, pursue it. And if it doesn't go do something else. Yeah. And I have like, and I, I think when you get comfortable letting go of ideas and just being like, that one doesn't need to be hammered out. Yeah, that's cool. I wrote it down, or I scribbled a little thing, and that's that's the extent of that. Sometimes you like, I've had people come up and be like, "Ooh, you should do more with that," and be like, "No, you don't know what you're talking about. This one's done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good." So, um, but coming like in thinking of where art comes from, or, or whether it's an ointment, and not to get too in depth in this, you feel free to share as little or as much as you'd like. But you know, the the pandemic involved some hardship, like tremendous hardship for you, as far as like loss and grief. And did you find that being a source? Or maybe it hasn't happened yet, or maybe it was like right away, like oh, all I did was create art. Or did you find yourself digging into other people's creations to like, kind of? nurture you or comfort you well i had a weird situation so for the listeners out there (laughs) my brother passed away in december of 2020 um right yeah um because now it was like a year and a month ago right Mm -hmm. so um And five days after that happened, I started working in a studio at Stupid Buddy. And it was my first, like, paid, like, full-time position, not just, like, contract work for, like, a short project or anything like that. Or It was, like, my first full, real-time job in the industry. And I just was like, so focused on that. I used that to push me through 
for the next 11 months. So I wasn't able to like, I didn't, I was not channeling emotions. Like I was shoving those way down, way to the side. Um, and so I'm hoping that now creatively I'll be able to sort of like pull some of that out because I do feel like the faucet has calcified over the last year. Mm. If I let it sit too long, it starts to become painful. I can feel it inside, like when I let it go too long without creating something. Yeah. The fastest release for me is music because mm -hmm. it's so instantaneous for me, like to just sit down and play like piano or um, Amber doesn't really like it when I play the penny whistle because I'm really bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> what is the, is that the slide whistle? What's the penny whistle? No, it's a, it's like the little brass whistles. Um, it's like, <laughs> like Willy Wonka, like when he summons the Oompa Loompas, like that thing. Um, yeah, kind of like that. It's like <laughs> you'll hear them in like like a lot of Irish music. Them. I'm so stressed anyway. out right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's magical. Like I'm telling you, it's like it doesn't matter. Uh, like, like music's the fastest way I can get like some expression out. And I wonder if there's anyone that has like a really rough day and has to just like whip out a kazoo or something. You know, like, what's the silliest instrument you could play the, that just feels great? I feel I'm better. Ready for another one. Way better. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that's silly at all. Like, uh, I mean, no. um, because people do way stupider stuff to like release energy. Um, There's uh, an artist. I, I feel like you guys should know each other. This guy, Jeff Tice, is an illustrator based in Denver. And he also does stand up, funny dude. And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm like one of these people you were kind of talking about before of like when people are always happy, I don't really trust them. But he was like, since I've been maybe 13, I draw for two or three hours every night. And therapists and people like this will say, if you're creative, you can just have an outlet to express yourself. It does so many great things endorphin wise and just for your brain's overall well being. So that makes complete sense that playing music, just some form of, because you're not you're not writing it out, you're not painting yeah. a picture of your feelings or your heart, but you might be doing it through music in a way that is only comprehensible to you. Yeah, I, and um, I I comprehensible. think that one of the things that happens with physical art is you get hung up on the thing and it being a finished product, whereas with music. Um, it can go on and on and on and on and change and morph. And it's a constantly evolving thing that's immediate. Animation, you can do that same thing with, but God, is it a long process to get the whole thing to come together. Yeah. Um, I mean, in drawing is what, when, when I would get really into animation, you're in the, like in the zone and it's like music. You're just like, boom, boom, boom. Like I loved animating with paper because it's it's physical like you're and it's it's timing um and it's not just clicking keyboards back and forth and like yeah cycling through frames and stuff like that like it's about rolling your hands and um you know um flipping keyframes back and forth like to me like the most satisfying way to like do 2d animation is on paper 
I loved it. It was, I would, I was thinking about setting it back up again. I have like piles and piles and piles of like, uh, uh, pens and stuff like that, that I'm just like not using. Cause I I'll buy shit and just be like, Oh, I'm going to use that. And then never do. <laughs> but I, I was thinking of like getting my, like the paper back out and animating on paper, but just with like pens and stuff like that and just have it morph between like mediums and stuff. It would just be fun. Yeah. And nobody would have to see it, you know, but it would just be fun for me to do. And it'd be closer to that quick, you know, immediate expression. Yeah, I think those are, you know, they talk about people that maybe break their dominant hand. I I don't know if this only pertains to right-handed people, but the fine motor skills with the offhand and particularly like the left hand opens up all these new channels in the brain so that a lot of times those people find themselves being more creative, drawing, painting more. And I don't think you have to play guitar or piano or something, but I do think whatever it takes to kind of crack open that side of the brain, because like the faucet it can dry up. And I bet there are a lot of people, I mean, we, we know them, we meet them, people that go, Oh yeah, I used to draw a lot. What happened? Ah, work, kids, you know, what it, people let it calcify up and maybe they're just wildly happy because of work and kids and they, they don't need that thing for expression. But I think there are so many other people that desperately need it, that feeling it calcify up is like, uh Oh, Sound the alarms. This is bad news. My whole person is going to kind of unravel if I don't yeah. run this water. I think I'm borderline that person. Maybe not to that like, like degree, but if I'm not being creative, I'm like, oh, I feel it. It's weird. Something feels weird. And I did have that experience where I broke my middle carpal here and I was in a cast for like a month or two. Mm-hmm. And then I had to do everything with my left hand and I started painting with my left hand. It was awesome. (laughs) This is great because I completely rejected the notion of it having to be good. Yeah. And that was so freeing. I was like, it doesn't matter if it's shitty. It's just fun. And I was just, it felt like being a kid again and painting because you're like, I'm not good at this, but I'm going to try. Yeah. It's actually my Instagram picture is the painting of myself, the self portrait I did with my left. hand. Oh, really? I I love that. Yeah. I do, I do that a lot with woodworking and I don't know, I think it's because it is supposed to turn into something a lot of times. And it's such an investment of like resources that I don't want to waste. You know, I don't, I I try to be appreciative that a tree or something was existing and now it's just a part of it. So I don't want to, you know, burn it or just, ah, I screwed it up, throw it in the trash. So I'm a little more you know, measure twice, cut once and these kind of things. But always I'll start out and kind of have to say this mantra to myself of like, you're going to make mistakes. It's so helpful just in life to be like, just, just do it. Just do the actions, but just know you will make mistakes because artistically plenty of people have an easel set up with a canvas stretched, gessoed, clamped in the easel, zero paint on it. Because yeah. they're just like, ah, the soonest, as soon as I start, I'm going to screw it up. I think, I, I mean, I love Bob Ross because he was just like, whatever happens, happens. You know, and yeah. he was like, be doing wet on wet means that you are going to fuck it up. <laughs> so fuck it up on purpose. Yeah. You know, like. Um, I always bring up a, a football coach life mentality. They never kill themselves. And I think that's because you just always persevere. You see obstacles, people that feel the world a little bit more or let obstacles get in their way have a very challenging time accepting 
you know, that, you know, they spend a lot of time dwelling. I can't believe this happened. I can't, how's this going to, what's this going to, and football coaches just kind of go, our star quarterback broke his leg. Who's the next person? And you just have to like learn to move ahead. And Bob Ross really kind of was the embodiment of that in the art world in that like, there's an, not an aggression because he certainly was like a soft toned individual, but there's a life like aesthetic there of just keep going, just push yeah. through, just figure out these mistakes as they happen, process them. Cause there've been plenty of times I would like take off my goggles of woodworking and just go in the house and be like, I can't believe I just did that. As opposed to like, well, hang on, hang on. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's glue, there's dowels. There's a lot of ways to fix this. Yeah. But you have to get better in life at going, oh my, oh God, I just, I absentmindedly reached down and put my paintbrush into black paint and brought yeah. it up to the canvas and put it in a, pot, a spot where it could not have black paint. Yeah. And then do you like wipe off your brushes and go in the house and just sit there? Or do you go, all right, what do I do here? If you can yeah. get faster at going, what do I do here? It no longer even becomes an impediment. You suddenly just yeah. say, oops, that happened and just keep moving. That's what had that sort of happened to me at at uh, the last you know at, at Stupid Buddy. As I was getting faster, I was like, I don't have time to sweat over this stuff. I just have to figure it out now and get it done. Yeah. So that that job really um, helped me prioritize time and pick and choose my battles artistically. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff I'm just doing for somebody else. So I'm not really expressing myself, but technically. Um, it really helped me just be like, I've got this much time to do it. I can battle over this, this part and this part. Um, um, but I, I only have so much time, so I got to get, get done when I get done. There was a horn honking. So I got really distracted. Like, What's <laughs> oh, going on back there? I didn't hear it. So I thought, <laughs> Uh, he just, some, his brain just took him somewhere else. He just went that, to the island. That happens <laughs> anyway. And then you throw a horn into the mix and it's over. But yeah, I just, uh, that, that ability to start to problem solve faster. I have a friend who's a really, really talented comic book artist. And just, he told me really early on, he was like, drawing's just problem solving. Not all art is just problem solving. You've got it in here and you want to get it out here. And the problem is how, mm-hmm. and you get faster with the experience. And that is my lesson for the kids. <laughs> no, fair. That that's you, so valuable. There's, there's no difference between the only difference between somebody who's really good at something and somebody who's not so good at something is time. How fast can this person do that versus how fast? Cause everybody can do the thing. Like I can make a painting that's amazing and award-winning. It just might take me until I'm like a hundred years old. But if I do it enough, I could probably get faster at it. If I keep making mistakes, I'll chip them out. Oh, there's, oh, and I'm now I'm forgetting. It's the clay jar study or dichotomy or whatever it is. They have a group of um, new c- ceramics creators, sculptors, um, so say it's like 10 each and then one group they said just make as many as you can just make a ton and the other group they said do your best really focus really try to get the you know fine details of whatever you're making down 
And in the end, the group that made way more pots ended up with much higher quality because you're just practicing, practicing, practicing. You're getting better at it as opposed to the other group that was trying so hard to be perfect. They just didn't have the practice. And that sounds so intuitive, but you kind of need to see that laid out in a, in a, like a physical representation because you can, you can have that yourself, but you don't really know, am I getting better or am I just getting used to slopping out trash? Am I getting used to just, when I was drawing comics, I, same thing, like wanting to like, well, I screwed that up and I'm going in the house. But yeah. then knowing like, well, wait a second, like I scan this into a computer, I can Photoshop and erase it. So there's one out. But two, just getting better at drawing with an eraser in hand, just yeah. knowing that like, oops, and, and getting faster at erasing. Because yeah. before it was like, if I have to take out the eraser, this has been a failure. Yeah. And knowing yeah. like, no, they should be hand in hand. They go together. That's why they attach them to the pencil. Yeah. Yeah. And then, or you can get to a point where you're like, what animators do is they do it real loose and then they go back over with the clean over the top of it. Like mm-hmm. You got, um, cause it's almost trying to get it perfect on the first. That's why I was re- referring to it as like a sculpture as like layers, like, um, you obviously you can probably get to the point where you don't need all the layers to convey the one thing, mm-hmm. but it always helps to sort of like know how the whole thing breaks down. And those mistakes teach you how the whole thing breaks down. Yeah. Um, and they show you where the things are that, that you need to avoid. And, and uh, I don't know, there's every success is, built on a mistake or whatever they say. I don't know. I, can't I like it. taking apart people's, I like find stuff and I have this piece of furniture right now that I'm working on that just blows my mind for what, for the longest time I thought it had metal nails in it, which in itself is cool, forged handmade metal nails. But as I started taking it apart, it was square bits of wood. So they had whittled little dowels out of wood to put in as like the mortise and tenon part. And taking it apart and finding that is just like doing surgery yeah. on a human and finding their bones are made out of gold or something. Where you're just like, what? And that was really cool to see. But you don't know that until you start kind of disassembling it. And I just love that. I, my grandfather was a woodworker. And to me, it was perfect. And I remember the, the one time I said like, well, that's easy for you to say, but like everything you make was was just perfect he goes go go look under that table and sure enough there was a mistake like a very noticeable one and he was like i know it's there but no one else does and i don't tell him but you asked so yeah everyone has that and i love that that i would see a peter big nothingness if people always bring up the dragon's part and i bet you would say oh you know there's this one frame right here where this was happening yeah. You would have to go out of your way to tell people and they go, Oh, I'd, I would never notice that it yeah. is perfection to them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that, that's the curse of being the artist though. Right. But I've, I've, gr- I've gotten better at and learned to just like, if you're putting a thing out there, don't criticize it. Just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I also don't think that you should be like trying to pump it up or anything like that. Cause it, it is what it is. Like when um, it's like explaining why you don't like kale. They, pe- yeah. People don't, they, they just they don't need to know. No, they don't. It's, you know, it's just, it's how I feel. And I don't know, like art, art criticism and things like that is sort of like, well, what was the point of that? But, um, 
Yeah, I I uh, appreciate sometimes you try and like give me compliments and stuff like that. So maybe I should just say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we could go on and on tonight, but I think we should wrap it up. But yeah, I just think you're so talented and and such like um like we were talking about all these varying levels of pop stars who have tens of millions of followers and and other people that are you know kind of finding their way to to just make it into a living and to me you should have you know all of the financial resources necessary based on skill and talent and artistic ability etc and I'm glad you don't let those things influence your pursuits so I hope you keep making stuff because it's great and um if you want to plug your any of your stuff, Instagram or wherever, so people can find you, I think that would be great because I highly recommend following and checking out the work of Peter Jane. Uh, well, I mean, my, I'm Peter Jane on YouTube. I've got some stuff up there. Um, uh, there's Big Nothingness, which you should check out. Um, St. Paul Devon's music video um, is called Your Goodbye. That's probably the one piece that I'm most proud of because I dumped so much time and effort into I'll that. put a link to that at the Space Cave. I'll probably tweet that link as well because it's phenomenal. It ju- we showed that at the Junk Show and it was like, it was, I never really used this term, but it was moving. You could just feel the crowd be kind of like carried away like children. It was just such a cool experience. Yeah, that one was really fun. And then, I mean, there's, my Instagram, but it's kind of sad right now. (laughs) (laughs) But that kind of goes back to um, just like a shout out to my brother. Um, Some of that on there is like a lot of memorial stuff. And that's why it's kind of sad right now. But it is P Emerson J. um, It's at P Emerson J one word. But a shout out to my brother is that he sacrificed everything just to make music. Um, and never went for the dollar to the, (laughs) to everyone's frustration. (laughs) And I'm never going to be to that degree, but he was a big inspiration and just like, do your work, do the art, do what makes you feel good and what brings joy and happiness to other people because all the other stuff doesn't really matter. I mean, he was like the extreme of that. So that's my, my, he, he was my biggest inspiration for any and all of this. His name is Sam Jane. Um, and he should be remembered for the crazy talent that he was. If if I have anything, it's, you know, inspired by him. So I'll I'll leave your show with that. (laughs) No, it's great. Yeah. I love it, man. I, um, look up the Jane brothers, very talented family. And um, I'll play a Sam Jane song at the end. Um, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. I love talking and I love talking to you. Um, Likewise. Thanks for inviting me on. Of course. Yeah, we'll do it again. We'll. Um, this flew by. I, I wish I didn't have to end it tonight, but we'll pick up again and maybe even just do some uh, bonus episode stuff if, it's not, if, if not a regular one because this was uh, – Good for the soul, I feel like. I feel like this was good, a valuable good. conversation. So thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will see you next time. Well, I hope you liked it. I certainly did. Always a pleasure to talk with Peter, and, and hopefully we talk more, because he's just a delightful human being. And, uh, you know, interesting to mix in 
various uh, emotional elements. It was, you know, it's tough to lose anybody, especially a brother. And uh, I hope Peter's doing okay. If you get a chance to see him in person, give him a hug or send him a digital note and just say, hey, buddy, I'm sure he'd appreciate that. As we all would. Feels nice. Be good to each other. Have interesting conversations. Try to listen to music that inspires you or makes you feel something. I think you'll do okay. Keep hanging in there. It looks like um, things with the pandemic are are getting to a, a, a manageable spot. We'll see. But for now, just keep on keeping on. And at, like our conversation, I guess before I get into that, thanks to those of you who do support the show on Patreon. If you listen to this, you listen to both parts, which, me, which means perhaps you like the show. And if you like listening to podcasts that don't... Uh, talk about the convenience of not going to the post office or how to build a website or eat healthier or have snacks delivered right to your house, uh, perhaps you'd join the Patreon. That's the only way this show uh, is somewhat sustainable is by contributions from listeners just like you. So uh, patreon.com slash space cave if you want to chip in. It helps every little bit um, so we can keep the show ad free so you can just have something in your life that isn't a bombardment of advertising. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, wrapping it up, that art just kind of exists on its own timeline. And everyone who's making art, consuming it, but particularly people like Peter who are on the making it side of things, you just never know how it's going to be received or if it's going to matter to someone. It's going to find its way into people's eyeballs and ears that you never hear from. And it could be one of the most important things in their life and they maybe never take the time. They might quietly come to a concert or a talk you're giving, or I don't know what your pursuit is, your medium, but there would be someone potentially there that it means a lot to, and they would quietly leave. I think we've all done that. We've gone to concerts or symphonies. I don't know what you're into. We've gone to things and quietly left and said, that was amazing. And the person who did it never knew. And... I love the band Built to Spill. I've done that a number of times with them. I've never written them a note or anything. And they do a cover of a song by Love is Laughter that was written by Peter's brother. These things come around full circle. It all swirls together. Artists and people that make things influence other people that make things. And creativity just keeps expanding. So because of Peter's brother, Sam Jane, it has directly impacted my life and made it better. This is a song that I love, both the Built to Spill version and this original version from the Grex Bring Gifts, which on the front has a really funny thing that's like the Grex made an agreement or a promise that everyone would be rich. The only uh, caveat was that they would be in, in charge, and it was a deal that no one, no human could resist, which is a hilarious concept to think of. I love that. So... Grex Bring Gifts, uh, a really incredible album, like Peter was talking about, just having that freedom to just like, let's go crazy. And then this beautiful song came out of it. And like I just mentioned, has tendrils deep into all kinds of lives, I'm sure, but including mine. So I think that's just the best. I hope you like it. Thanks again to Peter. Thanks to Sam Jane for writing this song and creating a lot of beautiful things. And thanks to you for stopping by the Space Cave. This song is called Singing Soars Make Perfect Swords. <laughs>